back with this week's episode of Think Deeper. This week we're going to be talking about family worship and devotional time and setting up those habits in the home. But before we get to that, uh, we've got so much to announce at Focus Press. A million things. Uh, it's a really exciting time. Lord willing, we're going to be putting out just more content than, than you could even believe between now and the end of the year. So I can't announce all of that right now. Some of it I'll let Joe and Will announce uh, here in future weeks. Um, the first thing we're going to announce is the second podcast on our network has launched. It's called Who Let the Dogma Out? It's a podcast I co-host with my friends Jacob Rutledge and Daniel Mayfield, a couple of gospel preachers in Texas and Oklahoma. And it's dedicated to really exploring the the doctrinal beliefs that underlie everything we do and say and, and think. And so uh, it, it goes a different direction from Think Deeper. Uh, it's a little more uh, philosophical in that sense, where Think Deeper may be a little more hands-on. But uh, if I know we got a lot of people who listen on your walk, on your commute. If you're looking for more Christian content, every Wednesday we'll be putting out, uh, through now, from now through the end of the year, Lord willing, we'll be putting out a, an episode of Who Let the Dogma Out. The first one launched about the need to be dogmatic. We'll be talking about the inerrancy and sufficiency of Scripture here in the next couple of weeks. And so uh, be sure to click over on your podcast app, on YouTube, wherever you're listening, and subscribe to Who Let the Dogma Out as well. And then along with that, I said we've got a lot to announce. Go to focuspress.org, sign up for that email list that we have. There's a pop-up that comes up. Sign up for that. Once a week, we'll send you an email. Every time we have something new to announce, it'll be in that email. Keep an eye out for it, and you will have all the latest. We've got more podcasts coming. Um, Who Let the Dogma Out is the second but we're going to have at least four by the end of the year and maybe a fifth and a sixth into the new year with, with different focuses, different target audiences for some of them. We're going to have books coming out. We're going to have uh, videos, Bible study deep dives that uh, Joe's got uh, coming. Again, way too much to announce at one time, so be sure you're subscribed to the email list at focuspress.org so you get those updates uh, as as they're released. Uh, just such an exciting time. So much Christian content for for your walk, for your family, for your church. Uh, be sure to uh, get on board with that email list so you see everything as it comes out. But with that, I'm, I'm going to have to rein myself in rather than, than just keep going on about everything we've got. So let's let's go ahead and, and start in on what we've got to talk about for this week. Our topic this week is a, a really important one, uh, one that Christian families, Christian couples, uh, and I think we'll even get a little bit, not much, uh, but a little bit to, to even Christian singles should should get into this habit of worship at home, family worship. Um, that that not just personal devotional time, but really taking that time to sing to God, to to read the Word aloud, to uh, make room for that in, in especially in the life of the family. Uh, we're we're talking about this. Well, we had it on our schedule from the start of the year, but we're we're especially getting to it right now because we'll. Uh, just released a family worship guide through Focus Press. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end. He'll tell you what that's about, what it looks like, and, and all of that. But um, let's get started on on the importance of discipling your children, the importance of worshiping at home and, and practicing these things, bringing it home and not just leaving it at the church building. Will, why don't you get us started? Sure. Um, we talked a few episodes back about um, the Great Commission, we really talked about discipleship and, and the really the the emphasis that Jesus places on that in the Great Commission and how much of a a role that is for for Christians to you know go into all the world and make disciples, right? That's the whole Great Commission. But we really didn't spend a, a lot of time talking about this idea of discipling kids at home. And Jack briefly mentioned a second ago that you know this idea of family worship obviously applies to singles as well and and people without kids or in couples, I should say, without kids. But the the premise for this episode is going to be a lot about discipling children, a lot more, I guess, geared towards families with children. If you are single or if you are married without kids, don't tune out. There's obviously still a lot of principles that are going to apply here. Um, but for this kind of first block, we do want to talk about the importance of discipling our kids and, and kind of what that looks like. And um, obviously the the main text that everybody goes to is usually in the Old Testament for the, one of the main texts, I should say, uh, that being Deuteronomy 6. Obviously, you've got Ephesians uh, chapter 6 as well. Fathers, uh, don't provoke your children to wrath, but train them up in the nurture and admiration of the Lord. But Deuteronomy 6 
has really always been just a the perfect place to go when parents are looking for, I don't know if you want to call it a recipe or, you know, just the the pattern of what it looks like for raising faithful kids. Deuteronomy chapter six, obviously you've got the Shema, you got the call in verse four. But starting in verse five, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. That whole idea of you are communicating to your children, to your family about God at every opportunity that, that is presented. Look at what all verse seven covers when you sit, when you're sitting, when you're walking, when you're, you know, when you're going to bed and when you're waking up, that pretty much is that covers a broad span of time. And so that's a question that we as, as Christian parents, we need to ask ourselves, are we truly teaching our children about God? At all of those times, that was something that was a big deal for the Israelites. Uh, you know, God did not just want one generation of Israelites that was going to enter the promised land to remain faithful. What did he want? Multi-generational faithfulness. He wanted that first generation. Hey, you make sure and you teach your kids, even though they didn't walk across the, the Jordan on dry land, even though they didn't see the miracles in the desert. You teach them. You remind them. You tell them so that they can... You know, so that they can have that same faithfulness. Joe, I want to kick it to you before we get into any other scriptures. This concept of discipling children and this, you know, going to Deuteronomy 6, what do you have to add as, you know, other scriptures yeah. and, and things that parents can can derive from these places? Well, I actually want to go back to verse 1 of Deuteronomy 6 because he says, Now this is a commandment, the statutes and the judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess it. Okay, got it. Take myself. Verse 2, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Verse 3, O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Few different things, we, few different directions we could go with this. The first, obviously, we've talked about the need for Christians to have kids. I think this is another one. To multiply greatly there as, as Israel is going into the promised land. I mean, it's hard to say anything other than they were to breed them out pretty much, you know, like to to have so many Israelites that they just take over land. So I think there's some principles there. I won't get into that. The interesting thing here, Will, as you talked about, multi-generational faithfulness. We see the we see us, we see son, we see grandson. He's gonna talk about the fathers. There's four generations represented in this passage here. In Here's my question. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you guys. Multi-generational faithfulness, for those that have heard this phrase, have probably heard it from the denominational world. This is not something very much discussed in the church. Um, matter of fact, I don't think I would have known the phrase had it not been from, from the denominational world discussing this idea of multi-generational faithfulness, the importance of it. We see the importance here to make sure that we're training up our kids, but all the way down to the grandkids, somehow we get grandparents who think that this idea of discipling their children and family family worship and, and, and making sure the family stays faithful. Well, that's the parents. Now, now my job is just to spoil them, right? Now my job, no. No, your job is to also help raise them up into the Lord. But I'll throw it to you guys. Why do you think the Church of Christ either doesn't have an equivalent or doesn't very much talk about multi-generational faithfulness? Why is that mainly or predominantly a denominational term? I, in my experience, we just we we shy away from discussions of youth faithfulness. You know, there's a little bit on parenting. There's people who maybe do a parenting seminar or something like that. Um, but you know, we're we're very doctrine focused. You know, baptism, instrument. We talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, we've we've mentioned that on on the podcast before, uh, and and some do. This is not. You know, I'm sure there are those that do, and and those that are very much emphasized. Right. It's, it's a generalization. Right. It's a generalization. Sure. But. Uh, it's something we we need to get serious about, and uh, one of the other things is we're we very much, and this is not just us. This is something that that happens a lot. Is very Old Testament shy, and the Old Testament is where a lot of this is borne out. And and we were talking right before we got on and recorded how the kings demonstrated how badly this goes when you don't pass it on, when you don't uh, disciple your children and teach them and, and do what Deuteronomy 6 is calling them to do, is you lose that opportunity. And and so the New Testament has some verses on parenting, um, but it this Deuteronomy 6 thing, it establishes principles that, okay, we're, we're not teaching our, our kids the old law as such, 
but the the principle of talking about it you know day and night and uh, making really centering your family life around the word and around God and around serving him and worshiping him that doesn't change that that that's not something that uh, we're supposed to just oh that doesn't count anymore because it's Old Testament this is the interesting thing for me, and this is more of, I'll answer my own question. Does it not seem like the church has a very individualized focus or go out and say, seek those who are lost, as we should, Great Commission, I'm not saying we shouldn't, but it seems to me that the greatest mission field begins at home, making sure that we are discipling our children, making sure they are faithful, making sure that we are, you know, getting them in a, in a proper place with God. But instead, we focus on, and a lot of the sermons are are based on how you can individually be better as a person and how we can sure. go out and save those outside the church. How many times do you hear sermons about the need to not just keep your children faithful, well, your grandchildren as well? You just don't hear that. It's almost like it's such a personal issue that we don't want to touch it, right? Like, oh, that's right. that's that's their business. That's their own kids. That, that, you know, combine it with the sad reality that a lot of elders don't have faithful kids. It's almost made the list of taboo topics in a way. And that might just be, you know imaginary for me but i really do view that as you know preachers kind of like stay it. away from that because they view it well that's that's kind of too personal that that's that's kind of over the line that's getting into other people's business but that's such a central part of really the entire bible um but obviously as jack was talking about the old testament the israelites that was a concept that was that was taught over and over again you got the proverbs my son here these it was about passing on you know, the faith, passing on this knowledge of God. And what we see today, and, and maybe, Joe, this is a symptom of the fact that we don't really, you know, talk about it, hear sermons much about it anymore, is we've got a lot of families, generalizing here again, but we've got a lot of families that family worship at home is completely absent from the picture. It, it doesn't happen. Um, you know, they view Bible class, they view the sermons, they view the church-organized activities as sufficient. What's the problem with that? Let's let's get into that because I, we want to very much bring it into today's terms for everybody listening. We've got all kinds of things going on. Why is it so important that, and again, we're going to target fathers here because of how critically important it is that fathers are the spiritual leaders. In fact, with this family worship guide that uh, we'll talk about a little bit later uh, that we just released from Focus Press, we actually put in the introduction, look, this entire worship guide was put together under the premise of fathers leading the spiritual discussion, leading the worship. And we put in the guide. Obviously, we know that that is not applicable in all circumstances. But as a general rule for the normal family unit, this falls on fathers. As the spiritual leaders of the home, they are responsible for making sure that their family is involved in, in growing together as a family at home through worship to God. So. Let's get into that, Jack. I'll kick it over to you. Why is this so important? Why are we devoting a whole episode to this? Because it, drawing from the Old Testament, uh, you you look at the father was it was the the stand the the connection between the family and God. You know, he was kind of the family priest in a sense. And and yeah, there we had the patriarchal era, and and then the Mosaic Age came about. But still, even after that, the father led the family. And and that worship was expected to go on outside of just the temple. Yeah, you had the priesthood, but but the family was expected to continue these things on. And and you know while we're here in Deuteronomy six, he talks about it's when you do the things that you know when you're keeping the law, when you're observing, when you're worshiping, when you're sacrificing, when you're doing the things that that the law commands you to do. Your children are going to ask you, well, why do we do this? You know why? Why do we have this happen? Why do we have that? That was the whole purpose of the memorial stones in Joshua. Right, the 4. Joshua four. What is this for? You know why? Why these? Why is this here? Why the Passover? Why are we doing this lamb? Why? And and it's this. Uh, the questions offer the opportunity to teach, and well, with those questions, then you can say here's here's why this is so important. And so when the Bible isn't open in your home, when you're not fellowshipping with other Christians, when you're not worshiping, when you're not taking family devo time, all of the habits that we try and, and are in this specific episode, but just in general, um, d dedicating yourself to the church, being there when the doors are open, all of these things that Christians should practice, that's where you get the opportunity to teach your kids. And and I've used this in my, my Lost Generation seminars of... Parents understand how to turn their kids into fans of their favorite football team, right? On Saturdays, you pull up, you know, the, the everyone 
grabs the snacks, you get on the couch, you, you sit down and you watch your college football team. And man, you buy your son a jersey, you buy him a hat, you buy him a t-shirt, you put a poster on his wall of, you know, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, whoever it is your team roots for. And, and your kid grows up knowing this is what we do, this is who we are. We root for such and such university. And, and I talk about this with my dad, and, and this is something that we share in together. And so when you do that as a church family, or I mean as a Christian home, uh, uh, saying, hey, this is what we do. We worship God together. We talk about the Bible together. We read these stories and, and, and take them in together, and we sing these songs together. Man, my kids just absolutely love picking the song and singing, and, and sometimes you know, we, not not being irreverent, but we have fun of it. Like, let's let's really sing. Let's get loud this time. You know, and Jesus loves me, and they're part of it. It's part of our family routines, and it teaches them in that same way. Well, you've discussed, uh, I think in the last episode, maybe in, in, you know, two back, you brought up how much time we have in the week and sure. uh, what is it, 168 hours, I think is, is what you'd said. Um, yeah. And then you and, subtract the eight hours a night on average for sleeping. So that takes you down sure. to what, 112. Yeah. 112. I mean, let's just say, yeah, you, you subtract the eight hours a night, you subtract the eight hours of work and let's even go to 10 hours. Either way, you've got so much time left. And yeah, I realize, you know, driving and things like that take up time and eating and things. But when we boil it down, how many of us are getting more than, especially growing up, how many people got more than the three hours of, of Bible study time between the sermons and the Bible classes on Wednesday night, Sunday? And that's assuming you're there every time the doors are open. So you got a Wednesday night hour you've got a Sunday morning hour and then you've got a Sunday morning and Sunday night. Let's just say that adds up to 30 minutes each long winded preacher. That'd be me. A lot of preachers want to keep it around the 23 minute mark. So you're hitting somewhere around three hours of Bible study per week. If you're not doing anything at home. And unfortunately I think that's the case, Jack, uh, I think you've got the numbers. There was a sur- didn't folks press to a survey. What was it? 2013. Yeah. Yeah. It- and I think, and in- yeah, get into that a little bit. So, it was of, of people who had left the Churches of Christ, uh, and we, we had almost 700 respondents. Uh, it was the largest survey of its kind that, at the time, it might still be, of people who had left the Churches of Christ. And, we, I mean, we asked them all kinds of questions, but the one that always was most interesting to me was Bible study habits, Bible, uh, th- that they were exposed to. 61% of those who left attended Bible class regularly, Sunday morning, Wednesday night Bible class. They were there for those. Uh, only 13% of them rarely or never attended Bible class. So, I mean, 87% said... So they were they were fairly faithful Bible class attendees. Yeah, they were kids. These people that were leaving. Kids yeah. who were in church, youth group. Yeah, they were, they were getting their three hours. Um, but of Bible time in the home, one to two times per week or less, 74%. So the people who, their families, wow. you know, just weren't opening the Bible hardly ever. Uh, in fact, one to two times per month or less, 49%. So half of the people said the Bible was open in their home less than once or twice a month uh, of those who fell away. So again, in Bible class, in worship, hearing sermons, hearing, you know, classes, devos, things like that, but not at home. And we're well, losing and close to 74%, aren't we? That, that's what I was going to say. That's why this is such a one of the reasons why this is such a big deal is because, goodness, how many episodes now have we brought up the the youth unfaithfulness and how many young people are walking away from the church? But it's not even just youth that are walking away from the church. It's young people that are technically physically still in the church, but are saturated in worldliness or are, you know, not contributing to the work of the church or are you know, just kind of there, they're apathetic, they're lukewarm, that if, if you incorporate those people into that number of people that have walked of the young people that have walked away, this is a huge problem. And this is something, of course, that's worth discussing, which is why we're having this episode on it. But those stats that Jack just read, just go to show how many quote unquote, Christian families kind of view Joe, like you're bringing up the, the Bible classes and sermons that that that's sufficient, right? And hey, if the, if they get, get get to hit a youth devo once a month, then they're going above and beyond. We view in in a general sense church organized events and Bible classes. We view those things as as sufficient when that when they shouldn't be. If if worship or if study time with your family, if time spent with God, you know, sitting in the living room with your kids, if that is regulated to only within the four walls of a church building, if that is regulated to four hours a week. That is almost guaranteed a recipe for your children being 
saturated in worldliness. That's virtually the opposite of what we started this episode out in Deuteronomy chapter six of talking with them about God when you're sitting, walking, when you wake up, when you lie down. That's the opposite. Well, well still let me throw this in. You know, thinking about when you, uh, yeah, yeah, when you walk by the way and when you lay down and everything. How many young kids have an iPad or a TV in front of their face? They're fulfilling Deuteronomy six is just not with scripture. You know, I would I would mention something like SpongeBob, but I guess it's probably more my generation. We were not allowed to watch SpongeBob. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a more relevant. I've never seen for, one episode of SpongeBob ever. I don't think I have either. Actually, I know <laughs> that was huge when nerds, I was growing up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to think of like a, a relevant example to today. I have no idea. Our listeners probably don't care well, or know either. Our kids are, are they three, really dumbed down TV? Yeah, our kids are three and four years old, <laughs> so it's like Paw Patrol. I I don't know anything yeah, beyond. That's, I just I just introduced Jackson to a TV, and it was sports. It was nothing cartoon. There you go, <laughs> my man. He there was watching go. college my football man. with me. So See, there you go. you're so discipling him into college football. Up, yeah, that's exactly. right. Train up a child in the way you should go. Um, but no, anyway, you know the point that I'm making here is. That's how we're discipling our kids. How many hours a week is your kid getting PJ masks or Paw uh, Patrol or whatever else instead of getting the word of God or or as they grow? How much time are they spending on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook? Netflix, they have devices. Right. They have devices in their hands, as Deuteronomy 6 says, when they lie down, when they rise up, when they walk by the way, when they're seated at the table, like they are getting discipled by something other than the word of God. Then we're shocked when they walk away from God and go, oh, wow, I thought we did our best. Well, did you really? Well, this is one you of know, the other things really? of, okay, you can use this test of like how many TV shows can they name? How many TV, TV show characters can they name? How many, uh, you know, it, well, even sports, you know, like uh, can you name the lineup of your your, your favorite team and, and who plays all the positions and, you know, who's who's the coach? And, and they can name all that. Can you name the Ten Commandments? Name the Twelve Apostles? You know, like this was a I, Jack. I'm not sure if this was the same survey, but there was a. It might have been a different survey that Focus Press did. But there was a question: How many of the minor prophets can you name? And there were, you know, a bunch of oh goodness, I have no idea. Or maybe they can name one or two. And then another question: How many of the Kardashians can you name? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. And and people people nailed those. And so I think that's what you're getting Horrible. at. Is we can, we can name all that stuff, but we can't name the books of the Bible in order. We can't name the minor prophets. And well, it just goes to the. I, I want to say this though. Someone would say, "Well, that's just because we're saturated in the culture." I've never watched the Kardashians, but we're saturated in such a culture. It's like, yeah, it's your job to make your home that kind of saturating culture for the word. So that your kid, you know, right. because you're right, you can't get out of, of I mean, just it, it's very hard. I've got a friend who I, I was kind of teasing the other day because he just doesn't know any celebrity. He doesn't know who Harry Styles is. And it's like, what a blessed life you live. But the rest of us, <laughs> the rest of us, you can't help but like be immersed in this culture that's always talking about these people. And yeah, make your home that kind of thing where your kids just can't help but know, you know, who who the the apostles were they can't help but know what the 10 commandments are they can't help but you know go around singing not songs by by billy eilish but you know bible songs and it, like that's what deuteronomy 6 is telling you to do where'd you find this friend like were you all picking rocks because he had to be living under <laughs> that's the funny thing is he's on twitter and i'm like my man how how are so, you serious yeah if he's listening this guy shout out. Jo- wow. joe's a joe's a big like, hairstyles guy yeah <laughs> zip it zip it that's hey you don't out me like that no Sorry this, about that. Music, music's pretty good but anyway i want to get into unless fellas we got anything else to add specifically on the time portion i want to get into and, and transition well, I, into I do some real the... quick i'm sorry okay. i'm sorry go I, for it. I do have something no go for it real quick because this is not a public school episode. We have another episode about that. But add to this issue of time that the if your mm, kids are right. in public school, then this issue is is uh, magnified even more. Because not only now are is their time being used, you know, eight hours of sleeping, their time is being used at school. If they're doing extracurricular activities, that's even more time. So you have a very short window of time, and it's going to be typically at night. Because uh, you work, you get, your kids got school. What are you doing with that time at night? Obviously, if your kids are homeschooled or maybe a different type of schedule, it's not as big of a deal. But with the majority of kids in the church being enrolled in public schools, what are you doing from the hours of six to nine o'clock? What are you doing? And and again, those are nights that maybe some of those nights are used up by football games or band camp or whatever it is. And so that's part of this is that parents have to be so incredibly diligent about the small event and we're going to get into obstacles here in just a second but 
we, we as parents have to be so diligent about how are we using the two hours at night that we have with our kids at home? You know, how are we using those three hours, the, the seven to nine hour, whatever it is. And I'm again, isolating that nighttime portion, because again, let's face it, our mornings are slammed with work and school. Our, our days, our afternoons, nighttime is really, again, if you're public schooled about the only time you get it, you know, even if you're involved in extracurricular activity. So again, that's a question that, that parents are going to have to face, but Joe, sorry to cut you off. That's just something I wanted to bring up again. If your kids are in no, the you're enrolled in public school, you have even less time. To, to truly disciple your children and kind of offset all the worldliness that they're, that they're facing at school. Well, in my opinion, I mean, you just can't begin to offset it. Right. With, yeah. That's, because again, <laughs> it's, it's simple math time portion, you know, you're right. at school for eight hours. You literally don't have another, okay. They're, they're, you know, eight hours of sleep, 16, you got eight hours left in the day. So you better be in order to offset what they're getting at school. You know, you better, and I'm not saying you have to do Bible the same as school, but I'm saying go back and listen to our uh, episode. I think we talked about abandoned public schools. I get the full picture there. Exactly. But I want to discuss difficulties or or some of the obstacles, I guess, that sometimes get in the way. And we just discussed this so well to your point. Some of the, I I think the first big obstacle would be the busy schedules. And to to go along with that, I guess, the exhaustion of parents, because as you're talking, I think a lot of this takes place at night. Uh, a lot of the time that we would have would take place at night. And I think parents are just exhausted, especially if it's a two-parent or two uh, two-parent working home, right? Where both the mommy and the dad are working. You know, the last thing they want to do, just getting food on the table is hard enough. The last thing they want to do is right. really crack open the Bible and, and, and take an well, hour they, or take even 30 minutes. All day, and so to, you know, turn on their brains again for another 30 minutes to an hour is just you know, something that, yeah, not everybody wants to do. Right. Right. So typically to turn on the TV, they all, and maybe even watch a family show together, whatever it is. Um, or sometimes they'll do Bible, but it's inconsistent. I think that's better than none, obviously. But I think the busy schedules would be the first, um, the first obstacle here. And let me just say this once again, this is not a public school episode, but we were homeschooled. And one of the things I appreciate the most about, um, the way my mom and dad did it is we started every day. We had to be at the table at eight o'clock, right? Dress, beds made, all that stuff. And the first thing we knew, you get your your breakfast and we're doing Bible. And we do Bible for the first hour of the day from eight to nine. Uh, we did all sorts of stuff. We did character building stuff. We did some really cool like kids exegesis stuff. Uh, there's some books out there that teach you how to do that from a very early age. Um, my mom like spent a lot of time digging into what curriculums or whatever that she wanted in terms of Bible. And it was really cool to start the day off with Bible and the days that we, that, you know, we started to do that, things seemed to get a little bit better than when it was just chaos in the mornings. And so, um, I do think that that's something that homeschooling, or if you get up early enough for public school, I think it's really tough to do, but that's something the homeschooling can afford is you work that into your day, but to go back to the same obstacle or to the, to the obstacle or the difficulty, which is busy schedules. Um, fellas, is there anything you'd add specifically to that? I mean, it is a fair concern. I would say you guys have mentioned 30 minutes or an hour. It doesn't have to be, and especially this is one of the other things I think we'll talk about is is flexibility on age range. You know, the older your kids get, maybe you can spend a little longer. As I said a minute ago, all of our kids here are under the age of five. Um, You know, in fact, we've got my twins, Joe's baby, Jackson, they're not really paying attention, but still, <laughs> like, they know right. it's just going to be... Jackson a, does not know all the words to Blue Skies and Rainbows. Yeah, right, yeah. Surprisingly. Doesn't know all the words <laughs> to anything, does he? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they can sit there and just enjoy hearing you sing. Um, but, you know, my oldest is four. We do ten, 20 minutes, you know, 15, well, 15 minutes, really, sure. uh, of we... I read usually... 10 to 20 Bible verses, you know, whatever a section kind of makes up. Uh, we talk about it, we go around the table and give thoughts. Usually the kids don't have any thoughts. Every now and then she'll jump in with something of she heard a word that maybe is familiar or something else we've talked about before and make the connection. It's really cool. Uh, you know, my wife might say, well, you know, what does this mean? Or, or she'll have a thought about, you know, that, that reminds me of this. Or, And then I'll kind of explain, you know, just briefly teach it, briefly pull out a couple points. And we sing three songs, you know, songs the kids like Jesus loves me but we can also teach them other ones victory in Jesus I'll fly away things like that you know any prayer request or we also we go around what um you know what are you thankful for everyone says something they're thankful for we say a prayer 15 minutes we're done and so that busy schedule but again 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just say from a very young age that they're not even going to remember. They're growing right. up in a family where that is a central part of their, I guess it was it nightly routine for y'all, yeah. of y'all's routine. Well, and, right? and so we've tied it to dinner. And so busy schedule, you're already sat at the table anyway. You're not having to like go and round everybody back up. Hey, stop playing with your toys. Stop doing this. Stop whatever chores Alice and I are into. We're already there. And so before we get up, let's just take a few extra minutes while we're here. And then it's, then we, you know, and so it is hard with busy schedules. I mean, four kids under four it, or four and under is chaos. But we still manage. You know, sometimes we'll have a baby hollering, you know, the whole time. You just go ahead and talk a little louder. But um, it, my it, schedule's been. I was just going to finish sorry. by saying it comes back to if you want to get it done, you just do. My schedule's been just ridiculously busy recently, picked up some clients, things like that, which is all good. And, you know, work is, I, I enjoy work. Um, but I don't always make it home for dinner. Sometimes I'm, I'm out, you know, stay out with clients and I do zoom. Of course I'm here at the building, um, and doing from here, but, um, sometimes I don't get home for dinner. One of the things that I really appreciate is that that Alyssa has been, she got a 365 days of the Bible. Um, and it's just a one page thing. Same for you, Jack. And we, we were supposed to get into this later, I guess the practical how to do this, but, um, we just do it yeah, in the morning. We're all over the place yeah. outline wise. Sorry. A little bit out. That's okay. But, um, I mean, it's really cool that I know she's still doing it, even when I have to leave a little bit early for the office, whatever it is, that we're still doing that. We still go in, sing some songs, do a prayer. Like, it is going to be different for each. I do work some 12-hour days where it's just not feasible for me to get home and be able to do some of these things. That's the importance of two parents being involved as well. I know it's mainly the father's role, and so I try to do everything I can. And that's something that I probably need to work on in setting parameters around my schedule. That's another thing to think about on the busy schedule. But I want to switch to the second one. Um, the second difficulty, which first, again, is busy schedules. The the second would be uh, a lack of cohesiveness as a family, which hits me because as a therapist, of course, I do family therapy. I see this a lot where the, the family is just, I, I think cohesive is a good word. We'll put the outline together. And I think that's a really good word to use. Like there's just not that glue where we feel close enough. We feel like First off, we can sit down for a 15 minutes, um, you know, a little Devo, whatever it is, where we can do that consistently. Some people are having a tough time just sitting down at the table and eating, uh, eating a family meal together, which makes this really difficult. But there's just a lack of cohesiveness with a lot of families where I, I think that's a, a key problem in and of itself. We could probably spend another episode on that. But, well, I could tell. What what thoughts do you have? I could tell something's coming yeah. up Yeah. Well, again, I guess this would maybe be more of a, a problem when your kids are a little bit older, but we brought up the screens before everybody's got their device. Everybody's got their, um, their Xbox, right. Their TV in their room. And so what you see a lot of times is you've got family with, let's say three kids. They've had dinner. They're at home. Maybe there's nothing going on. What is everybody doing? They're all on their own device, right? They're fragmented. One, one kid is, is, in, in their room playing Xbox. The other one's on their phone doing social media. Maybe the dad is, is watching sports. Maybe the mom is on her computer doing, uh, doing work things. But the point is a lot of nights, the family is fragmented. They're not together. Maybe some nights again, to, to get back to the busy schedules thing, you got one kid playing this sport. You got another kid at, at this practice. You, it's just, again, we're not trying to say that extracurricular activities are, are bad in and of themselves what is bad in and of itself and what is a problem is like what joe just brought up if your family is not together as a unit if y'all can't find time five nights out of seven to gather around for dinner i'm gonna go ahead and say that is a pretty big problem uh if you can't find time to eat a meal together as as a family then how on earth are you gonna find time to to worship together as a family so the busy schedules one is a big deal to me this one is even more of a big deal and this one is something again we're not putting an embargo on extracurricular activities. What we are saying is, again, to, to place it on fathers, you as a father, any fathers listening, you as and couples as parental units, you guys need to decide what is most important for your family. What are you going to choose to prioritize? Is it most important that your child plays every high school sport they can? Is it the most important that your children be the most well-rounded and play the most instruments and whatever else it may be? Or is it more important for you to spend time together as a family, eating a meal, incorporating maybe your family worship time into your meal time, whatever it is? If you guys, are, if if you as a family are not together, if you're not uh, cohesive, if you're not worshiping together, that is literally the recipe for for your children walking away from the faith. If your kids are on their own devices, fragmented away from home, again five nights out of the week, 
that is one of the biggest obstacles and difficulties to this idea of leading your family at home in this family worship. It's very, uh, I was just looking up stats on it because it's very hard, very hard at accurate number, but it uh, it seems to indicate over 50% of families struggle to have nightly meals together. Like there was one that said as low as 30% eat dinner together every night. Um, others said, oh, it's really not that bad. It's you know, maybe it's 60% do 40%. In, in any case, it's very common for that not to happen. But one of the other things is, as we've talked about, we talked about media addiction and all that. I've had dinner with people in their home where the, the, you know, the kids are on the iPads at the dinner table, uh, you know, like have to be watching something or, you know, I, I think we've got on our, uh, outline here if it's easier to sit in front of the TV or just turn the TV on. And so everyone, you know, like if you've got something going in the background, um, and, and what you're doing, as you said, you're, you're not cohesive as a family. And what that is teaching your kids to do, or, or what, what that's going to create is that your kids don't feel a connection with you, don't feel a loyalty to you, they don't feel that, that culture that they're a part of, and that's where you see a family all divided and, and kids look way less like their parents ideologically than they do their friends. And right, right. That, that's, not, that's not a healthy thing. You want your kids to have friends. You want your kids to have you know, social connections and be building that, those skills in their life, but you also want your kids to hold the values of your family. Uh, it's almost viewed at, as like a negative thing. Oh, you're in, you're indoctrinating your kids. Like, yeah, actually, <laughs> That's I am. What you're supposed to do because right? if I, yeah, as we <laughs> right. said on the you know another episode, if I'm not, somebody else is, and that's what happens when there's not a family cohesion. Is it's not parents saying this is who we are, this is what we do. Your kids are all defined by their friendships, by the people around them, by by something else other than your connection to the Lord. Consider the importance of family in the Bible. Abraham, right? It comes through one man, but really a family is is what is promised, but that's also where the seed, where Christ is going to come from, and is he takes one family and he makes them a great nation in Israel. What are we called in, in the New Testament? We're called a family, right? We're, we're the family of, of God. And so when that's the case, and he's building one of the earliest things is there's marriage, which is the the first institution, but then there's a family that shortly follows. We see the kids. I think this is the importance of genealogies being listed, is there is such a an importance placed on family, on the generations, on who's coming down through through these generations. And then what do we open Matthew with? What do we open Luke with? We open it with generations, right? Uh, with the genealogy that comes down into Christ. And so there's a huge focus um placed on the idea of families in the bible going back to the very beginning all the way to where we are now and how do you think deuteronomy 6 would be accomplished with people who basically have no use for their families oh they're just in that teenage phase where they just only care about their friends and the problem is some people never come out of that phase they end up being perpetual teenagers you don't get me started on college and all the other things that keep us in our adolescence but i think so many times like we we think that it's uncool to be a grounded part of our family. And that's such an American thing because you look at other cultures in the world, like families, everything. You look at the Hispanic culture and where they have multi multiple generations living in the house. You see that in Europe. You see that in, in the Middle East, right? We are very individualized. And so we look at it and we go, well, my family stinks. I just, I care about my friends. Family is such a blessing from the Lord. And it's such a big part of the Bible that we see walked throughout scripture that this really saddens me when you see these Christian families who basically have no use for one another because they don't want to spend time together while they're just really into their friends. Parents, if that's if you have that in as as part of your family, you need to call it out. You need to check your own heart, check yourself. You need to get that fixed like immediately. Well, and to get us back to our our, our main point is this is one of the benefits of regular family worship time is you're fixing multiple issues. You're, you're, you're proactively doing good, but you're also getting rid of some of those negative things uh, if, if this is an issue, because this is, is one of those obstacles. Now, if you don't have that, that's great. You know, then excel still more and then and add the family worship time. But if, if your family's divided in this way, this is a start toward bringing it back because you need to bring it back. You need to uh, create, again, a, a shared culture, a Christian culture in your home. Right? Guys, I want to bring I want to bring up something. Um, and there is one more difficulty or obstacle that, that we have on the list, but it's going to very much tie into one of the, we want to kind of wrap up with the practical advice tips that y'all have sort of already gone into, but it's going to tie into that at the end. So I want to bring up something that I think is a little off topic, but firm, we firmly believe this actually ties into the discussion quite well. 
Proverbs 22, 6. Uh, everybody, most people I would imagine are familiar with it. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. As quickly as we can, or, you know, long-winded Joe, maybe not. But um, is, yeah, this a pro- <laughs> is this a promise? In other words, when I read that, and it says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. What is the antithesis of that? If a child does depart from what they were trained or what they were taught, then what does that mean? They were probably not trained up in the way that they should go. And that, and if you view it in those terms, which a uh, little sneak peek, I do. A lot of you know, then you view it as a promise. And a lot of people don't think that. A lot of people are saying, no, no, that's you know, it's a proverb. It's more of a guideline. It's something that you know is. It, it's not a guaranteed. If you train them up right, then they're always going to say that way. Funny, I usually tend to just take the Bible literally. But again, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people have that alternative <laughs> viewpoint. What do you guys say to that? Again, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. Is that a promise? Is that more of a principle and more of a guideline? What do y'all have to say for that? Will's going to get a shot. It's one of those. We'll we'll put him out, and then we'll kind of do the old Uriah, <laughs> where we just back off and be like, "Okay, well, that's yours. All right, let's move on." Well, it's no, usually um, Joe, so I figure somebody else. Uh, yeah, exactly. You, you took the lead. I appreciate it, man. Take the arrows first. No, I very much agree with you. Is it a promise or is it a proper promise or principle? Um. I take it to be a promise and what I'm hearing our, our listeners from afar saying is as, as they're listening to this is what would you guys know? Your kids are all under five years old. Uh, we haven't gotten to the point where our kids are walking away from the faith. Um, so, you know, are we, are we allowed to speak on this? Is this, could this get really, really difficult for me here in about 20 years? Yeah, it might. But I also think that those who are pushing the well it's just a general guideline it's a principle often have kids who are walking away from the faith and i know we're coming on strong this can be mean but you know what we're losing 75 percent of our youth so when we talk about proverb you know or is this just a regular proverb or is it a principle those who stand behind well it's just a proverb it's like well maybe the parenting stunk okay maybe the parenting wasn't what it should have been because how are we losing 75 percent if Maybe this they is weren't trained proper, up in the way they should go. Right. Yeah. Correct. Principle or promise, regardless, irregardless, as some people say, um, regardless, your kids should stay faithful theoretically if you train them up proper, right? Why are we losing 75%? Maybe we need to look in the mirror as parents, focus it back on ourselves and say, hold on. Did we do this right? Did we train them up? Were they watching SpongeBob for five hours a day? Or did we actually open the scriptures and talk about what, what God's doing in our lives and the grateful ways and worshiping him and, and gathering around around the Bible and praying and singing and doing these things? Was that a priority on, in my home or or was turning on the TV at night a priority in my home? Was eating family uh, meals together, you know, around the dinner table, was that a priority? It was was uh, going through fast food time and time and time and time again and not ever really having a family meal more of a priority for me because I was too busy and failed to make it a priority. So when you really start shining the spotlight on our parenting, can we really say that we have done everything that we can to train children? And I'm not saying we get them into heaven. Please hear me there. Parents don't get their kids into heaven. God does, right? Um, But the training up, we're training them up unto the Lord. We're trying to get them to understand what a privilege it is to know our amazing God, to love him with, with our entire heart, right? To truly fill out, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, you know, all of it. Um, how would we best do it? If we saw that as our mission in parenting, I'm just a steward and my job is to t- return them to God so that they love him completely. Would that change anything that we do? Or would we prioritize maybe the Sunday morning baseball game over church? That's not my goal is not to make them a baseball star. My goal is to return them to the Lord. How would that change the way we do our parenting? Sorry, I'll step off my soapbox, but uh, yes, I'm passionate about this. I think to answer that question, I I would reroute it back to Deuteronomy 6 is if God didn't think that was a a valid like cause and effect, why did he base the land promise and the blessings and cursings on mm-hmm. if you teach this to your children, you guys are going to do well in this land. And if you don't, your children are going to go astray and you're going to pay the penalty for it. And they did. And so he expected that if they actively did this, if, hey, if you take on the law and you follow the law and you teach it to your kids and they keep it, you guys are going to just keep doing well. You're going to thrive. But I think that that still, especially in the Christian age, works for all nations. 
uh, if a nation learns of God and keeps passing it on, they thrive. If they don't, and so, man, everyone laments the good old days. Oh, back in the 50s, you know, or back in the 60s. Well, we didn't used to have baseball games on Sundays. You know why we don't, why we started having them? Because parents, church-going parents started going, yeah, we'll skip for that. Yeah. There. Now you've got kids, you've got gener- multiple generations where it's not even a consideration that you should be somewhere else on Sunday but the ball field. Um, you know, all of these moral things and people are, oh, the nation was so much better. Kids kids are, are going to end up going to sin just like everybody else. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. How does a nation go from generally moral to generally incredibly immoral if not through a lack of parenting? And so um, cause and effect is a real thing. And so... Uh, do you have 100% control over your kid? No, but there should be an effect to the cause of if you have taught them this, if you've made it a part of their life, if if you've if if you've helped their hearts be given to God, you're going to reap the the benefits of that. And so, you know, is it a is it a guarantee? Is it 100%? You know what? Let's like I said, just run it through Deuteronomy six of the long term arc of this is going to be towards faithfulness if you do your job. We talked Wanna... about this in the in the generational podcast uh, going back months, but I think we did at least. But the interesting thing for me, you know, while these millennials with their participation trophies, I'm sorry, did the kid go out and buy it for himself? Who bought the participation trophy? Why do we always look down on the kids and go, well, these kids are just selfish? Where do you think they learned it from? That's not absolving us completely and saying that we don't go our own way, but there's such an individualized like once again, this this is really what it comes down to, is the way that the East versus the West thinks is majorly different, and I think the East is right here. They're familially based. We are not. So we look down at the kids and go, well, you know, they're just going to make their own way. They're going to do it. People in the East don't look that way. Uh, you know, they, well, they again, read, read the Old Testament, Judges and all that. There was never a generation of faithful, solid, God-loving people who did everything exactly right and taught their families, and their kids just grew up and said, we're not doing that. Right, right. It was always a little compromise from the parents that led to big compromise from the kids. Well, we're not going to get rid of all the idolatrous people. We're comfortable. We kind of got our houses. We're going we're to intermarry okay. with the pagans, right? Yeah, yeah we won't tear down yeah, the high places. Yeah, I mean, well, you guys can keep your high places. We'll, we'll do the rest, but, you know, we, we got rid of the rest of it. It always comes back around. And so it's, it's your faithfulness drives, uh, has a huge effect on your kids. Before we get off the Proverbs 22, 6 thing, so many people don't do the family worship thing. So many people don't do these things we're talking about of of keeping the word and, and God in their homes. And so this question, well, you know, is it a guarantee? Is it, you think you'd be worse off? Uh, you, you, think it, you think it would have no effect? You know, that, ah, well, it's just, eh, it's a nice thing to do, but whatever. I mean, come on. Like, the, this seems like it would, uh, again, I don't think you can make any case that it would be a neutral activity. And let me also say this. And then we can get off to Proverbs 22.6. But I also think we play a lot of defense in our training our kids. Here's how to defend the faith. Here's how to keep the faith. Here's how to write all the defense. What about fighting the good fight and going on offense with our kids? We're so concerned about our kids. Just please, please, please stay in the church. Please stay faithful. Hey, if you could just go to church on Sunday, that'd be fantastic. What about creating the next generation of leaders that go out and make a, a giant splash for the Lord? Where and and not not for any personal accolades, so that they might get the glory, that but that God might get the glory, and we point them to being the best elders they can be, not just preachers, the best elders, the best deacons, the best men of God in their places of business, and then you know, and as employees, they are going to go on offense and and pursue holiness and pursue Christ with everything they have. Enough being on the defense and acting like it's just enough if I can get my twenty five year old to show up to church on a Sunday morning. We've set the bar so stinking low that the kid hops over and we go, oh, and we cheer and act like we did our job. We didn't. We didn't. Your kid ought to be conquering. He ought to have dominion over what he's doing. He ought to be the strongest man of faith he possibly can or the strongest woman of faith that she possibly can. I'm going to shout out real fast and and tease. Will and I are working on a a project right now that we'll unveil here in uh, hopefully the next month or so um, about how to train young men to be truly godly young men that go out and change the world they go out and they conquer nations they go out and they have dominion and they they do amazing incredible things i think we've set the bar so low so jack to your point there i think that's great i think it's it's 
how could it hurt if we do that? But we've got to stop thinking about, yes, we want to defend the faith. We also want to go on offense and we've got to start thinking about our kids being those arrows that we eventually shoot off into the world to make a big difference. Excellent. Excellent point. Let's get to the practical advice and tips. And you guys have already said some of them. So if you want to reiterate them, that's fine. I'm going to hit the first one because one of the difficulties that we didn't highlight because it's going to directly tie into this one is a lot of families struggle to find a consistent routine with this, with this idea of family worship. And I'll go ahead and say growing up uh, with my family, this was, this was the one that we struggled with the most. Uh, Like Joe, our days usually started in Bible. So we were, you know, uh, studying the Bible in the mornings with, as part of our uh, school curriculum. So that part was great. But when it came to nightly devotionals at home, uh, we would get going and we would do great for, you know, eight, nine, 10 days. And then, you know, we go on a trip or something would come up and the, the routine would just go into the tank. And then we try to start it back up and then it would last for four days and then we'd go into the tank again. And so that consistent routine was our biggest struggle. And so growing up, that's what I observed. And I, I, I get, again, this kind of, it all ties together with the busy schedules and, and no consistent routine. So as far as a practical tip, uh, practical advice, one of the things that I would say is set a flexible but firm designated time. And that might sound like a bit of an oxymoron, but by that I mean for 90% of the time, you need to have a a window of time that is set in place. This is when we're going to do our family worship. Maybe it's like, maybe it's like Jack's family where, hey, we're going to eat dinner. And then as soon as dinner's over, we're going to stay at the table. That's going to be our family worship time. Maybe it's right before everybody brushes their teeth and goes to bed. It's, you know, the nine to nine thirty hour uh, or nine to 10 hour, whatever it is. So that part of it is firm, but flexible in the sense that, look, you, you know, stuff's going to come up at, you know, one or two nights out of the week. Sometimes, you know, things are unpredictable. Sometimes there's a family emergency. Sometimes, you know, a meeting might go long. Sometimes you've got stuff you're doing that night, whatever it is. So you're going to have to be flexible in that sense. But the important thing with that flexibility is to not grow lackadaisical with it. Like, oh, we'll just we'll, we'll postpone it for tonight and we'll get we'll get to it tomorrow. If that becomes an option one day, that's going to be an option every single day. And so that would be the first piece of practical advice that I would have is, yeah, you got to be flexible, but you also have to have a pretty firm routine set. Or once again, it's going to you're going to end up skipping it four nights out of the week and it's going to become much less of a pattern. Uh, so that's the first one I've got. We got some others, guys. What do you what do you have to add in addition to what y'all said uh, a little bit ago? Yeah, the second one is, I would say, ignore the clock. Now, look, it doesn't need to be. Well, it has to be. We mentioned it as Jack mentioned, right? Thirty minutes an hour. That's a long time. Let's be honest. If we were planning, it's the same thing. Like I'm sure we all have those friends that we haven't talked to in years, but. You know, it's always good to talk with them on the phone, but you know it's going to be four hours every time you jump on the phone. How often do you do it? Not very often because like I don't have four hours. The interesting thing is if we did it more often, we would need to talk for four hours, but that's just the way it goes, right? right? Um, I think we do the same thing here is we build it up and it's like, oh man, I, I really need to, it's going to take me 30 minutes. I just don't have 30 minutes tonight. Ignore the clock. If you got 10 minutes, do it. But if it goes long, you get into a really good discussion. Well, 10 minutes, time for bed. No, 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 no. Right. Your kids asking questions, right? Your kid, your kids asking questions. They're engaged. They're really enjoying the singing. And so are you. Let's go a little longer tonight. And then and tomorrow night, look, they're really tired. Things aren't going well. The kids are bouncing off the wall. You're having a really tough time just sitting them down. Still do it. Maybe tonight's 10 minutes. Maybe tonight's 15 minutes. But last night we had a great time. Everybody was settled. It was a, such a good time. We went for 45 minutes. Ignore the clock. Okay. Is what and I that's, would say that's the on whole the practical point. side. That's the whole point behind this one is, you know, we've belabored the point before about how our Sunday morning worship, man, when when 11 o'clock hits, you got people that are looking at their watch and expecting the preacher to be done. We're so tied down to the clock that we restrict the worship of God to it's got to be within this time frame. And so for our family worship, again, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, it needs to you know take up your entire night. But I think, Joe, your, your main point here is. Don't let your family worship be restricted by we got to be done in 15 minutes. You know, if you do that, then then you're you're heavily restricting the spiritual growth uh, with your kids. Again, like you said, maybe y'all get into a really good discussion. Maybe your your kids, maybe your kids are older. You have them lead the prayer and they're pouring their heart out to God and you're not looking at your clock going, man, they really supposed to be in bed at this point. That's kind of what we mean when we say ignore the clock. But Jack, what did you have? Yeah, uh, both good things. Um, it, as you said, kind of part of ignoring the clock is sometimes your kids want to discuss it. That's one of the greatest things in the world. And so engage them in the discussion, uh, ask them questions. Open-ended um, questions. One of the other things, open-ended questions, yeah. And 
Uh, one of the other things I've been trying to do is stack if they're hearing the same thing, you know, if it was Sunday morning Bible class or a sermon or, you know, we've got another little book that we'll read to them sometimes that has Bible stories in it. Um, start, hey, boy, I'm sure hearing about this Moses character a lot, you know, kind of start triggering that in their brain so they can, well, Moses, wasn't he the guy who, yeah, and so, you know, start building their learning base uh, on those things. And so um, on their age level, for older kids, ask them deep questions, challenge them, really push them. Uh, younger, just get stuff that's going to start familiarizing them, but engage them. Um, don't make it, okay, we read it, let's really saying we're done, all right, we're out of here. Um, bring them into to being a part of it. Uh, and that, again, Deuteronomy 6, that's part of what's supposed to happen, is you're, you're having the discussion with them, and they're asking why, why this, why that, and so uh, make that uh, part of it as well. I think that idea is so key, that the challenging them, like we so often use kid gloves because, oh, my kids just don't know that, or whatever else, we want to keep it simple. I would push them just past their age age range, right? Just past. Make them reach up a little bit. So for teens, do not shy away from the difficult scriptures. Go right at it. Discuss those things that maybe are not popular in the culture at all. Open First Timothy 2, verse 9 and following. See, see how that goes in your home, right? Women's roles and, and women are to remain silent. Things like that. Have that discussion and see how it goes with your kids. Open up into what do we think about critical race theory? What do we think about these things? What does the Bible teach us about some of this stuff? You can use our podcast to, to maybe kick off some discussion or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> but more than anything, I would say, don't use our podcast, use Will's new book. And so I want to tee him off unless there's other things we want to say. But I think from the practical end, I'll just briefly go through this one more time and kick it over to Will. Set a flexible but firm designated time every night. Um, ignore the clock. If it goes long, great. Um, if it's got to be a little bit shorter, don't beat yourself up, but you know, ignore the clock and, and, and don't put a parameter on I would say try to at least do 50 minutes or whatever, but you know, ignore it, engage your children in discussion and ask these open-ended questions. And then don't be afraid to dig deep into the scriptures to, to challenge your children on, on principles that maybe are not popular in the culture at all. That's okay. We want them wrestling with it at home and not their kids or their friends and their teachers discipling them, things like that. So those are the practical tips that we would have on that. But this is where we get into the exciting, I think all of this has been exciting, but an exciting new thing that has come from Focus Press. So, Will, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you kind of, I think they just shipped out today, I believe. Go ahead and take They're that They're supposed away. to be delivered today. Yeah. So, um, new, nice. brand new, fam, just called, it's just called the Family Worship Guide um, produced by Focus Press. And again, it was actually my dad, I think, that originally when we were all sitting around brainstorming, he kind of has had this vision for a while of the fact that this is a, a need for Christian families um, to, to have home devotionals, to have home uh, family worship together. And one of the things that, that we talked about was a lot of Christian parents just don't really know where to start, right? It's overwhelming. You know, well, do I just open the Bible and the first page I turn? That's where I, you know, what do I do? And so we wanted to provide a, a tool, a resource to where Christian families, Christian parents were not overwhelmed, that they had, again, a guide, something that they could use. And so, again, uh, I'll just want to highly recommend going and, and checking it out on, on, on focuspress.org. Uh, they were shipped or they were delivered today. They're supposed to be delivered today. So they're, they're ready to ship out. Um, I'll real quick go over just kind of the, the way that the family worship guide is laid out. If you have further questions, of course, feel free to call our office or, you know, hit us up on social media or whatever you'd like. But um, the, the, we did structure the family worship guide to be about 30 minutes uh, but the beautiful thing is, once again, there's questions, there's discussion points where you could go longer if, if you've got the time or if your family is uh, is involved. So every day, uh, or the, so it's a three-month worship guide. There's three months going through. The first month goes through the Old Testament. Uh, the second month um, goes through, really digs into the, the major and the minor prophets, lessons from those. And then the third month, we go through the New Testament. Uh, four weeks in each month, uh, five lesson days in each week with a recap day to follow. Um, the way that each day goes is every day you will, as a family, you will do six things. First of all, you will sing. Uh, we have listed a, a song that, that at least to some extent ties to the lesson. Of course, families can feel free to sing more than just one, but we've got at least one song for you and your family to sing. We've got a section of scripture, usually at least one chapter that you and your family are to read together. Uh, again, highly recommend including your children on that. Hey, each of us read four verses, whatever it is, but you got a section to read. Then we have provided from that reading kind of sections or paragraphs of commentary. Here's some things to think about. Here's what this passage is saying. Here's 
here's uh, some things for your children to consider. And in each of those, or, or I, I should say in that section, there are two discussion points for you and your family where we put in there, hey, discuss this aspect uh, of what we saw in this story or discuss how we can see the, the love of God in, in, in this uh, section of scripture. And each one of those is designed for you as a family to discuss that as little or as much as you desire. If that's something that your kids are, you know, on a roll with, or you've got something that, that you're passionate about with that particular discussion point, man, go with it. And, and so again, for each lesson you, you sing, you read, you discuss, there's at least two discussion points. And then after that, there's a challenge section in which we have really tried to make this applicable for all ages. So there's two questions for younger kids and two questions for older kids. Obviously, you know your kids better than we do. If you think your kids are maybe need to be asked the younger questions or if, if, they, if they're on a deeper level, need to be asked the older questions, you as a parent can do whatever you'd like. But the, the younger questions are a bit more on the basic level, whereas the older the questions for the older kids are challenging them to think a little deeper. You know, hey, go beyond just the basic Bible story. And how does this relate into the grand scheme of the Bible? How do you see the the elements of temptation here in in and, and whatever it may be, just just some deeper questions. And so we tried to tailor that for for kids of all ages. That's the the challenge section where they're going to have those questions. At the end, we have just one paragraph that you can either read verbatim or sum up yourself that just kind of applies that particular lesson to the entire grand scheme of the Bible. And then last but not least, you pray together as a family. Um, so again, structure it for 30 minutes. Uh, is the way that we structured it. It can go longer. I We even put in the introduction. If you guys get going on a discussion and you don't make it through an entire lesson for the day, no problem. Pick it back up the next night. You know, we did not want anybody to get tied down to, you know, got to be got to get done with one lesson per day. Again, the main goal with this is give Christian families a resource, a tool uh, to really establish a pattern of, of worship in their home with their families. So, again, we're excited about it. We really hope that it's something that is helpful for Christian families. And again, if you got questions about it, we'd love to answer those. But again, available to be shipped out today. I do believe that this is the first of what I think is going to be many, right? So this is three months, but Will is going to be actively working on. We have some plans to go into other ones. This is a general overview through the Bible. We've talked about different ideas, maybe key biblical figures, whatever else. If you guys have some comments as to what you'd like to see in a family worship guide, we are in the process of outlining and writing those. Um, maybe yeah. Will, it's... I'll go ahead and tease. So in, in the Old Testament section, we did not touch Psalms, Proverbs, or Ecclesiastes. And the main reason for that is because probably another one of the volumes we will spend focusing exclusively on Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, to Joe's point, uh, we hope to release many of these, you know, just again, as tools and resources for your family. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to, I was going to recommend if you're an elder or preacher listening, really consider buying these making them available for every family in your church um we talked about all the reasons why this is important keeping those kids faithful building a, a culture of christian families um this man get a stack of them pass them out help them like get into the routine and and, and teach them how to have this this habit in their lives uh and and that family worship guide what's so great is uh, you might be listening to this and going man this sounds great how do i start there you go just grab the family worship guide um it, it give you a three-month head start and we might have another one out here eventually where you can keep going with those or you just get in the habit of uh, okay i know what to do now i can run with it but this is going to help you form that habit and and so yeah it's a really great product um, i should probably be not only oh sorry I was just going to say, not only for the individual, but again, churches, I really recommend you passing these out to your people. I should probably ask this off air, but uh, I'll ask it oh on. Boy. I don't truly oh know. Do we have a PDF version of this that can potentially either be sold or be a companion for people who, when they go on vacation to be able I, to to take it? I don't think them? we have it yet. That definitely is something that is going to be in the works, though. So Okay. Good, good cool. tease there, Joe. We usually do. There you go. Yeah. We'll make digital available at some point. Cool. All right, fellas. Well, um, as you can tell, I mean, we're we're really excited about it. We keep saying we got things, exciting things coming. This is the first of many things that are going to drop. We got some, um, yeah, I'm not going to say much. We, I mean, we really do have some really cool things that I think are coming up. We're going to work more on the family worship guides. We're going to try to put more effort into some family things. We're going to get more into men leading um, and have maybe just an entire section on our site dedicated to men being men um support groups things like that i mean we got some some really cool things in the works that um and we're hoping to 
to release a lot of these things before the end of the year. So stay tuned. We're just in September now, but of course, by the time this releases, I think halfway through September, but yeah, we are, we're excited. And this is the first of many things that are going to be dropping between now and the end of the year that um, is going to be great. So as Jack said, yes, it's it's a plug for buying things from Folk Express. We genuinely believe in these things. Like I will be using this with my family. This is not some gimmick. Like we genuinely believe this is this is a fantastic resource. And so we just hope you avail yourself to that. But um, anyway, with that, fellas, anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? All right. We appreciate the, as always, give us a comment, um, like, comment, subscribe, as they say. Um, but make sure to, to give us your comments on these things. You may disagree on the Proverbs 22, six, don't blow us up completely. But if you have some comments on that, we'd love to hear, um, or, but on the practical advice and tips side of things, if, if you have things that have worked for you and your family that maybe we didn't touch on, drop those in the comments uh, again, we, you know, we don't have a monopoly on everything that works. Maybe there's something that really works for you, for your family that other people might benefit from. So feel free to, to drop that as well. And send us your questions too. Send it on the Think Deeper Facebook page. We'd love to answer those. If you do have some questions, we got a lot of resources. It's not just our collective knowledge. We got a lot of people that we talk to that that know these things and um, that have done similar things for for years. And so, um, yeah. But with that, we are going to wrap up. Thank you for listening to the Think Deeper podcast. We'll catch you next week. Thank you.